Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here, the host of How They Love Mary. Lent will be here before you know it. Ash Wednesday is March 2nd, and many Catholics like to undertake spiritual reading during the season of Lent, and oftentimes that's in a daily devotional book. If you wish to pray with Mary's messages and listen to her voice and then begin to live them in your life, then A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary that I wrote a few years ago is the perfect book for you. Learn about Mary's many apparitions and the messages she spoke to children and adults alike. You just won't be reading about the apparitions, but you'll be putting into action Mary's message in your own life. A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary is available from Sophia Institute Press or wherever you buy Catholic books. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. A while back, I had an idea for a book, and many of you know I've written several books about the Blessed Mother, and one of the books that I had in an idea but never really did anything with and didn't pursue it was to do some sort of catechesis book about Mary, but to do it throughout the year, to have it kind of companion a religious ed program or something like that, allowing teachers to uh, allowing teachers to share the Blessed Mother with their students every week. Now, I never wrote that book, but somebody else did. And so that's always a delightful thing to see that somebody writes a book that you thought you should write, and they did such a better job than I would have ever done. And so I'm very grateful today to be speaking with Catherine Bogner. She is a teacher, a DRE, an author, a godmother. She's a Catholic, and she is an author of Through the Year with Mary, and she also did Through the Year with Jesus. And so both of these books are now available, and they're beautiful companions for family prayer and devotion. And today we're going to speak about this book and share why maybe you should incorporate it into your own family's devotional life. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Catherine. Thank you for having me, Father. Well, it's great to speak with you. And, you know, I don't know how I found you on social media, except probably, you know, one of those posts where people tag you tag you, and say, you should follow this person. And I followed it. And then and then I saw this book come out. And I'm like, I need to interview her. And uh, so grateful that you said yes, and that you wrote this book and that we can have this conversation. And you are a yeah, teacher. You're a teacher. And you're a you're a DRE, so you have this catechesis mindset. So I'm wondering, though, what inspired you to do through the year with Jesus and through the year with Mary? So, like you said, Father, I, I'm a teacher. I think that I always have to do the math. So I think I've been in the classroom for about 14 years, and then I was volunteering with things like even while I was in college as well. And I feel so passionate about um, taking the truths of the church and, and the beautiful teachings of Christ and Christ himself and making them very approachable for kids. Um, but the thing is, is I can only do that with so many people in my life, like in my classroom and in my parish. And so um, kind of through a fun circumstances event, I ended up um, speaking at this tiny little event with some other DREs and teachers. 
and they wanted um, some of the resources that I had been creating. And I was happy to share them with them. And long story short, I ended up putting them up on a blog, which I know some people say blogs are dead, but I think that they're all about how you use them. So I do have a blog that has three religious education resources that I've been adding to for over a decade. Um, and really what it comes down to is I feel very passionate about equipping parents and teachers to feel um, like they have the tools that they need to share Christ with their kids, whether it's their own students or their, their children. Um, because I have come to find that even though we have so many people who love their faith, a lot of people don't feel confident in sharing it with kids. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, so these books were just a fruit of that. Like in conversations, like things that I've put out on my blog, conversations on the, my publisher, the St. Paul Center, when they contacted me, we had a lot of great um, talks about like what was needed, you know, something that wasn't out there yet. And these two books were what we ended up coming up with. And that's a beautiful way because you're introducing family prayer, especially I think that, you know, I don't know how you envision somebody using this book, but let, what you've done here is you've done through the year, right? So January <laughs> all the way to December, and it's divided by week and each month has a particular theme. For example, in February, you have the Holy Family and uh, in March... Uh, you have the Annunciation, which is the feast day that we celebrate on March 25th during that month. And so you kind of you kind of hone in on these different themes and you present them. So how do you envision families picking up this book and using it for family prayer and teaching and devotion? So obviously daily prayer is incredibly important, but I also know that in busy family life and even in classrooms, sometimes doing something um, structured daily can be really difficult because families' routines look different. You know, they have different activities going on at night and different, you know, timing and schedules. So instead, I did a, a weekly format so that then the family can choose when it's best for them to sit down and have a little more time for something like a particular devotion like this. So each week is broken down into several different sections, which makes it really approachable for families that have a wide variety or ages of ages of kids. And so there is a child-friendly explanation um, of whatever that particular, it could be a devotion or a feast day or a dogma of the church about Mary. So there's a few paragraphs about that. So it's well explained, but not watered down, which is really important to me. There's also a beautiful piece of sacred art that's full color and full page that they can look at with the child and a, a little question to go along with it. Um, speaking of that, there's also always a few discussion questions. So if you want to keep the conversation going and get the kids involved, the questions are right there for the parent or teacher to share with the children. Um, there is a Marian prayer every week. So, you know, we have a wealth of beautiful Marian prayers and hymns in the church from over the centuries. And so there's a new prayer included every week, um, sometimes in English or often in English, I should say, sometimes in Latin. And then there's also some in Spanish and French as well. Um, and then a really, really important part that I um, insisted we include is a section called To Jesus Through Mary. Um, and in that part, there's just a really short, like a two line uh, explanation of how whatever that devotion is points directly back to Christ. So with a family, like that sounds like a lot. And you might be like, oh my goodness, Katie, I can't, <laughs> we don't have time to do all of that. Well, maybe before bedtime, you know, you sit down early in the week and you read about the devotion. You read that, that section and maybe do one of the discussion questions. Later on in the week, you can pick it back up and look at the sacred art and talk about it. Um, and then maybe another time you, you know, you pray the prayers together. So that's one option. Um, I also have uh, people who 
go through the year with Jesus, which is broken down in a, a similar format, and they'll keep it in their van and they'll use it like while they're stuck in the school pickup line or on the drive home from mass on Sunday. You know, one parent's driving, the other parent will turn around and will show the picture and read the story to the excuse me to the kids. So I think, you know, gathering at the dinner table before bedtime in a van, anytime you've got your kids in one spot and have their attention for five minutes, you can you could make use of it. I'm envisioning that this could even be a part of, for example, let's say someone homeschools and they want to do a catechesis. Like this would be a good like catechetical book. You want to teach your child about Mary in the year? Well, then pick up this book and they're going to learn so much about the Blessed Mother. They're going to learn that Mary isn't just for the month of May or for the month of October with the rosary, but that, as you say, that through the year with Mary, that we can focus on different attributes and different aspects of her life throughout the year and we can get to know her as our mother and as our intercessor and as our advocate and all of those different roles that Mary fulfills for us. Now, why do you think that Mary would be important for family life? So, you know, I think that there are some families out there, and let's just say they're kind of nominally Catholic, and so they go to church, but, you know, maybe picking up a book like this would be something very new to them. So, like, how would you convey to them the importance of Mary and why they should uh, relate Mary to their kids? Well, first, I guess I'll say that um, I can relate to where they're coming from. So I grew up Catholic, and um, my family attended Mass every Sunday and, you know, volunteered in the parish in different ways. But um, we didn't do too much else besides just, like, praying before meals. So as I grew a little older, like, praise God, my entire family, we really have blossomed and have come closer to Christ over the years. Um, and one of the things that, that helped me understand the role of Mary, because to be honest, I didn't really get her. I didn't get the emphasis that the church placed on her. I thought she seemed very, like, saccharine sweet and, like, up on a pedestal and unapproachable. Um, but in college, I read Fulton Sheen's book, The World's First Love. And it completely opened my eyes to the role that Mary has in salvation history and then therefore in the church today. And so I know that's a that's a big picture thing, but I really think that Mary and her like maternal love for her children in the church, that she is so she could become very approachable, especially for children who like understand what it means to love a mother or a grandmother or a godmother. Um, and then as soon as they come to know Mary, she of course is going to direct their gaze directly to her son Christ. So um, I just want to emphasize that, like, Mary isn't intimidating. Her feast days have beautiful traditions um, and rich teaching behind them that we can share with kids. And that because, like, that's why I broke the book down into, like, little bite-sized pieces. Just pick some of the feast days, some of the teaching, some of the devotions. And since it's not like a sit down and read this whole book all in this week with your kid, it's just a couple pages every week throughout the entire year. I hope it is something that's very approachable for families. One of the things that as I paged through the book and was looking at it is, of course, I have a great interest in Marian apparitions. I've been to many of them throughout the world in France and Ireland and other places as well. And of course, I'm a priest in the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin. And in my own diocese, then there's this Marian apparition. And I've done a lot of writing and research about this apparition of Our Lady. And you come to highlight Our Lady of Good Help, this champion apparition uh, in the month of July. And so I'm curious, how did you first learn about the shrine and champion Wisconsin? And um, have you ever visited? So, so how did you come to know about it? 
So I think that, it, like, and Fada, I'm sure you would agree, it seems like, like, a hidden treasure of the United States, and, like, not enough people talk about it. I, I actually think I did, hadn't heard about it until a couple of years ago, um, and just found it fascinating, especially, like, I love that time period in American history, with, like, the, you know, the Western expansion and the movement of the pioneers and immigrants. And so I, I don't remember exactly how I first heard about it, um, but... It was really, really fun to get to research. And then it, there have been a couple of children's books, or I should say, um, like novelizations of the story that have come out recently. And I mentioned them as one of like the extension activities in the um, in that chapter in my book. Um, and so reading more about it, it's, it's been really fascinating. I'm going to be honest, Father, I haven't been there yet, but it's on my list for this summer. So I don't get to travel much during this school year, um, but I'm hoping to come up since we're just, we're neighbors. I'm just down in Illinois. So I hope to come and visit um, once school gets out. Yeah, and actually, I'm planning to go down to Peoria sometime in the near future to visit the grave of Fulton Sheen. I include Fulton Sheen in my new book, How They Love Mary, that's coming out in April. And so I wanted to go down there and take a little footage and uh, just share a little bit about Fulton Sheen on the spot um, for that book. So so our paths will cross, hopefully, uh, either in Peoria <laughs> or in Wisconsin. And the message and champion, Mary said, gather the children, teach them what they need to know for salvation. And so really your book is fulfilling that request of Our Lady, your life as a teacher and as a DRE, you're doing what Our Lady asked Adele to do. And really, you're teaching people what they need to know for salvation, because as we introduce people to Mary, well, then they learn the story of salvation, her important role in giving us the Savior by saying yes at the Annunciation. And then they're going to learn what Jesus did and why we go to Jesus through Mary. So really, you're fulfilling that request of Our Lady. And you mentioned that you wanted to go on a pilgrimage, that you wanted to come here to champion, to visit the apparition site. And I think that's something that families can do as well. They can go on little pilgrimages. There are these shrines throughout the country. They're not just Marian apparition sites like we have in Champion, the only one in the U.S., but in Belleville, Illinois, there's Our Lady of the Snows. In uh, Missouri, there's Our Lady of Starkenburg. You know, so there's lots of different shrines to Our Lady that people can go and they can visit. And that might be a, a fun little family activity as well, as they come to know Mary, well, then to go somewhere and to see why people travel there and then to participate in that devotion of a particular shrine. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a pilgrimage is, you know, a trip made for a religious purpose with a prayerful intent. And so in the book, I also talk about how like a pilgrimage doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to go on pilgrimage to Lourdes, although that would be wonderful. Like you said, Father, it can be a somewhat local pilgrimage. You can go on pilgrimage to your diocesan cathedral with your children. You can even intentionally make a pilgrimage like to your own parish or maybe a Marian grotto that's in your area. So after reading about something or maybe even, you know, after praying a novena, you know, it's really, it could be very easy for families to introduce their children to that idea of pilgrimage, even on a very simple and local level. And then when families are traveling, you know, when you're going around, research the area that you're traveling to and find out, hey, what kinds of cathedrals are in this area? Are there any saints that are connected with this, this you know, region? Um, are there any particular, you know, like you mentioned, Father, there's several like different Marian apparition or Marian, um, uh, Marian devotion sites around. So yeah, take advantage of those family vacations too and introduce yourself to, um, introduce yourself and your kids 
um, to those different devotional sites because I think that that is a great opportunity to help their faith blossom and for them to see it as something beyond just the four walls of their parish as well. And I would envision that as a family goes through the year with Mary, there's going to be kind of this greater awareness of the presence of Mary uh, in their life. And so you're going to go to your home parish, wherever you go to Mass on Sunday, you're going to look around and maybe you're going to see a stained glass window of Mary and you're like, oh, I've never noticed that before. Or maybe you're going to be outside at the parish and there's a, there's a grotto to Our Lady of Fatima. And so you're going to take your kids there and you're going to say a little Hail Mary together. Like we don't have to walk by the statues that are outside of our churches, for example. As a family, wouldn't it be beautiful that they gather around, they say a little prayer because they've they have this awareness now of who Our Lady of Fatima is because you've taught them that, but then also just to say, well, let's pause and let's say a little prayer then. Yeah, I love that idea. And such a simple way to incorporate the faith in a daily family life that doesn't really take much planning um, and isn't difficult at all. Now, I'm wondering, so you've written this 52-week book for us through the year with Mary, also through the year with Jesus. What's your favorite teaching about Mary that you communicated in the book here? Oh, goodness. That's like, that's impossible to pick, Father. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I will, I'll I'll kind of go around your question and answer it in a slightly different way. So when I was picking, you know, I had a nice color-coded spreadsheet as I started to plan this book a couple of years ago. And obviously, there were some months that were very easy. You mentioned some of them, you know, February is known as the month of the Holy Family. So I'm like, okay, well, that's easy. We'll focus on the Holy Family there. And of course, October is the month of the Rosary. So we'll focus on that in October. But some of the months don't really have a traditional Marian devotion or a particularly like, you know, a really big Marian feast day that I could elaborate on for an entire month. So one of the the examples of that is April. And so of course, April, more traditionally, we're thinking of Easter and Eastertide. And so as I was brainstorming what to do for the month of April, I decided to do Marian typology, which is the different um, hints that were in the Old Testament of the plan that God had for the Blessed Mother that are then fulfilled in the New Testament. Um, something, and actually this is this is one of the reasons that I, um, that I came to love Mary as I was reading Fulton Sheen's book and saw how he connected the Old Testament with the New and then continuing studies from books I read by like Scott Hahn, for example. So that month, I will have to say, is probably my favorite because it was so fun and challenging to put together four stories um, about how Mary, like the picture of Mary begins to be painted in the Old Testament and then how that fulfillment comes when she is the mother of Christ in the New Testament. So, so yeah, I think that that one might have to be my favorite just because it was such a unique challenge and a little bit out of the, out of the box, out of the ordinary, especially when it comes to children's catechesis. Yeah, it definitely is a bit more dense of a topic, but it's also, again, a nice way to teach. And so we're communicating truths about salvation here. And so you're incorporating the Old Testament. You're telling the story of Adam and Eve and how Adam and Eve fell. And now we have the new Adam and the new Eve 
You bring out a few others as well. You have uh, Rebecca and Sarah and Rachel. So that's, uh, you know, actually in Marian typology, I can't say that I've actually really studied the new Sarah or the new Rebecca. You know, oftentimes I think of some of the passages from Judith or from the prophets or whatever. So, mm -hmm. you know, so that's a, a beautiful teaching you're giving there. And my favorite typology that I often talk about is Mary is the queen mother. Is, and that's what you conclude the month with, uh, Mary as the queen mother. And that's such a beautiful teaching because it really shows Mary's role as an intercessor for us. And so that the queen mother was the advocate for the people. And so now Mary continues that role in, as the queen and as the mother of her son, who is the king and who is the Lord of our life. So definitely, uh, for sure, a very beautiful teaching, a beautiful uh, four weeks there with Marian typology. Yeah, I think that especially as maybe an adult is thinking like, well, gosh, you know, Mary's fine, but I don't think we should be placing that big of a deal on her. Um, I think that reading about the Queen Mother Father is um, one of the, the teachings that can kind of be like, okay, I see the puzzle pieces, we can fit them all together, and then it's almost like you flip the puzzle over and finally see the big picture. Like, reading about the Queen Mother in the Old Testament, and then reading Mary's role in the Gospels, and then reading the Book of Revelation really is eye-opening when it comes to the role that God had planned for Mary. So during the month of October, you mentioned already that you focus on the rosary because it's the month of the rosary. So quite naturally, you go through the different mysteries of the rosary, introducing the joyful, the luminous, the sorrowful, the glorious. Now, I'm sure there are families that pray the rosary quite regularly. Maybe they do so every day with their kids, or maybe they pray a decade of the rosary. They are slowly introducing it, incorporating it into their family life. But then there are probably families that are like, I don't think my family could pray the rosary, or maybe they only do it on special occasions or when somebody is sick. How do you encourage families to pray the rosary, especially during October, but to do it even beyond October, through the year with Mary by praying the rosary? So I think that the best advice that I can give is that it, it is not going to feel perfect, <laughs> and it is not... It doesn't have to be intimidating, but to just begin. And so if a family has really little ones or if they are just beginning, um, try, you know, trying to build up this devotion in their family culture, don't be afraid to just um, pray a decade at a time, for example. Um, a decade well prayed is better than, you know, like <laughs> ending, at, you know, the evening or whatever in tears because everyone's so frustrated and um, trying to pray the entire thing. Another thing with really little ones, like with toddlers, it can be really beautiful to pray the rosary and use the beads and introduce them to the rhythm of the prayer, but just say the words like, Our Father, as a prayer, and then say, Hail Mary, as a prayer, and work their way through. Because I think that just like anything we teach our kids, you have to build up to, um, build up to you know, the beauty of the fullness of the whole prayer. At the same time, don't be upset or frustrated when, um, you know, maybe, you know, the spouses are praying together or the older kids are joining them and the little ones are, you know, sitting by the side and reading a book or playing because they're absorbing that as well. Like the prayer is still genuine. Um, and then I think like my final favorite tip is to incorporate um, the stories of scripture because we love, everyone loves stories. We love being told stories. We love hearing about, you know, the heroes and the events and, and what happens. 
And so if kids know the stories of the mysteries of the rosary, it is going to be so much easier for them to be engaged in the prayers. Um, and so, you know, helping them know those stories is really important. And again, that's going to take time. So maybe you pick a set of the mysteries, like you pick the joyful mysteries, for example, and your family works on talking about those stories, reading them from scripture, incorporating them into family prayer. And maybe you work on that, focus on that for, you know, a few months or longer until they really know those stories really well, and it will help the rosary be even more meaningful. Um, in this book, Father, like you mentioned, every every week during the month of October, I focus on one of the sets of mysteries and kind of just have a, an overview and a summary. And I do list where you can find those mysteries in the in Scripture. My first book, Through the Year with Jesus, um, there's a story for every single mystery of the rosary, like somewhere in the book, where like it gets its own chapter. So you have the full text of the scripture and a kid-friendly explanation and a piece of artwork. So I will say that that's also a great tool to have a book like that, where you can flip it open. You've got a piece of artwork that the kids can look at. You've got the text of the scripture right in front of you. You've got a couple questions you can use. So don't be afraid to look up resources to help you feel equipped to do that with your family. And one of the ways I think we can be inspired in our rosary prayer, and it's kind of your focus for the month of November, is by looking at the saints. And so how are the saints devoted to Mary? That's why I wrote this new book coming out in April called How They Love Mary, to show how different saints loved Mary and how it was unique to them. And it's not a cookie-cutter approach or anything like that, but all of the saints had a great devotion to the rosary. And you quote Father Patrick Payton, who said, you know, the family that prays together stays together. And so hearing his inspiration about why you should pray the rosary, because it's good for your family. You're going to stay together if you pray together, you know, or we look at the other different saints as well. So they can really be an inspiration too um, in family life and in family prayer uh, as we learn from these holy men and women who have gone before us. Absolutely. And I can't wait to, to read your father, your book, Father, about who you chose, because when I had to narrow down when we picked the theme for November with All Saints Day beginning the month, I had and it was nearly impossible to narrow it down and pick, you know, four saints who loved Mary because they all did, because the saints, the, the closer they grow, grow to Christ, they also are going to grow in relationship with Mary and Joseph and, and all of their brothers and sisters in heaven, the other saints. So, yeah, so I had a hard time choosing, um, and that's why one of the reasons why I ended up putting a few of them together for the first week. I did all of the female doctors of the church and their individual connections with Mary, kind of showing how, like like you said, our, our relationship with Mary isn't cookie cutter. It's going to look different for all of us, but no matter what, it's certainly going to lead us closer to her son. And I really love how you kind of end the book, which is really the beginning for us for the church year. And it's waiting through Advent with Mary. And so that's very beautiful because Advent is such a season in which we do wait with Mary. And uh, I always say that Mary had uh, Mary had a few different Advents, that Mary had the Advent of the Jewish people, that she was a daughter of Israel waiting with all of them for the coming of the Messiah. And everybody was praying that the Messiah would come. And so Mary was one of them. And then Mary had her nine-month advent when she was with child, and then she had those final days, you know, of of bringing Jesus to birth that on Christmas Day. So she had these different advents in her life, and so for us, 
we walk with her during those last days. And so I love that you uh, really encourage us to live the Advent season uh, with a Marian perspective. And we have during Advent, you know, those different feasts of Our Lady. We have the Immaculate Conception. We have now Our Lady of Loretto, and then also uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. So there's a Marian character to the season for sure. Yeah, it was fun to finish the book with that. And I agree with you, Father. It was a little weird to put it at the end of the book because it's the beginning of the church year. <laughs> but but the way that this book was structured, it just make, made sense to make it easier for families and keep it with the month. I did put, I do love a good index. And so in the back, there there's a couple um, indices that are helpful for a family who's using the book. So you might just pick it up and you can go to the week that I recommend you read then. Or goodness, you can just flip to anything in the book and read it. There's no reason you couldn't. But then in the back, I also give, there's an index that has, um, of course, it's not all conclusive because there's, it's like almost impossible to find all of them, but um, it has a good summary of the Marian feast days um, throughout the year and or the saints that are mentioned in the book. And that one is chronological. So um, if you can't find, you know, if you're thinking about, oh, you know, maybe we could have, we could have a dinner this week or something that's themed with one of the feast days coming up. So you can go through the calendar year, find a feast day, um, and then it tells the page numbers that that is mentioned on. So if you know, hey, Our Lady of Guadalupe is coming up, maybe we could have Mexican food this week. You find that in the index, look at the page numbers, and then you've got a story to read at dinner time while you're gathered around enjoying your dinner. What, what's great about this and what you just brought out is that you don't have to have a structured time for this family prayer or devotion. Yes, you probably should, but then there are these other times where it just happens, as you mentioned, like sitting around the dinner table, telling the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe and enjoying some tacos. Like that's incorporating these elements of faith at different moments in your family life. And it's really making faith a part of your life each and every day and incorporating it in that way. So, um, you know, a very beautiful practice. Uh, and everything that you offer uh, gives families some way to pray and to deepen their love for God, to deepen their love, especially for Mary and her role to each of us. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's the that's when faith really comes alive for kids is when they see it lived out in those normal everyday moments when you know they're having a, a tough time and a family member says a prayer with them or when um, they know they have you know there's a family routine of prayer that they say in the morning and something they say in the in the evening and it's a time when they have a question and you know their parents like wow that's a really great question let's let's discover what the church teaches about that together so those, those little conversations and moments are when their faith is really going to blossom and, and not just be something that's relegated to Sunday morning or, you know, to a particular time of the week. We really want, um, yeah, it's that is something I pray for literally every day, Father, that um, parents will feel equipped and prepared to just have their faith come alive for their kids in every aspect of their day. And it's the parents' role to get their children to heaven. It's a promise that they made at baptism to raise their children in the faith. And through the year with Jesus and through the year with Mary are just a few ways that individuals uh, can fulfill that baptismal call and that baptismal promise that they made. Catherine, if people want to learn more about you or get a copy of your book, how do you recommend that? Yeah, so my website is called looktohimandberadiant.com. Um, and so that's where I have all of those free resources, like literally a decade of free 
printables and activities and all kinds of stuff that can be used in the homework classroom. So that's probably the best place to find me. And then um, to find my books, they are available through the St. Paul Center. Um, and then they're also on Amazon. And I also encourage people to ask for them at their local bookstore to so that way you can support both the publisher and you know your local businesses too. Look to him and be radiant. That's a verse from the scriptures. Is that right? Yeah, it's on the it's on Psalm thirty four. I thought it was a psalm, but I didn't want to say it and be wrong. So, um, well, beautiful. And a great work that you're doing, a great apostolate that you have. And I'm so grateful that you shared a little bit of how we can celebrate Mary throughout the year today on How They Love Mary. Yeah, thank you for having me, Father. Thanks for listening to today's show. I hope that my conversation with today's guest was one that enriched you spiritually and also helped you to foster a deeper love for the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you enjoyed this podcast, could you do me a favor? Go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcast so that others might find it as a recommended podcast from other Catholic podcasts that they might listen to. And if you don't mind, share about the show on social media so that your friends and family might come to find it and be enriched by our conversations as well. And if you don't mind, you can follow me on social media at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And this show, How They Love Mary, will soon be a book available from Sophia Institute Press. You can already go over to their website and pre-order How They Love Mary. Thanks so much for listening. May God bless you today. Know of my prayers for you. And may Mary pray for you today and always.